Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that is this week looking at the Oscar nominations and thinking, really? My name is Tosin and I am your host. I am based in a place called Bromsgrove in the middle of the United Kingdom and joining me from the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello. Hi Sharon. Hi Sharon. We do not have a Sean with us from Thailand today and we didn't have time to get a third person so you have the two of us. You have the two of us this week. And I kicked off by speaking about, um, it, well, first of all, let's talk about what it is that we do on this show. On this show, it's called Netflix vs. Cinema. So we go to the cinema and see a couple of things each week, usually three, depending on how many of us show up for the call, and stay at home, see a similar number of things. And then we weigh them up and say, where was the money better spent this week? Was it better spent in cinema or was it better spent at home? And... Um, yeah, and so the Oscars have been the Oscar nominations were released this week. And Sharon, have you seen have you seen the lists for the Oscar nominations? I don't think I've seen the complete list, but I've seen the highlights. All right, cool. yeah, because everybody's talking about the highlights. And the 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 thing or the overriding thing is first of all that that got me about this was like, oh, I've seen some of these films because obviously last year when when the Oscars race came round, there were a whole bunch of films that were not available to see in the UK yet. So we're like, well, we've heard about Nomadland, haven't seen it, <laughs> got to do anything. But this year, thankfully, with the with the um, with the return of cinemas and everything, we now have oh. Uh, well, we there's a lot of these films that we could say that we've seen. However, it's beginning to make me think. I'm not sure whether the break in the pandemic with cinema reset my brain or something like that. I am I'm not so sure about Oscars anymore, and I'm looking at some of the films that they've nominated, and I'm thinking, what? I'm I'm not sure about that. Like, okay, so let's go through best picture lists, and there's some of these you've seen, some of these I've seen. Belfast. Yeah, good. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, Belfast, good, good. There's a film called Coda. It sounds, stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Not seen it. It was a smaller indie film that was released earlier in the year that I that I wanted to see and I couldn't get to the cinema and I'm still not sure where you can see it now. But hey, that's what we've got to just watch for. Anyway, and don't look up. Yeah, you saw that. I didn't see it. I didn't. I wasn't aware that it had a cinema release. It would have done in some cinema for two weeks in America and to to qualify to qualify because that's what Netflix do. They release it for two weeks in the cinema to qualify for the Oscars, and then they take it out, and then everybody else sees it on Netflix. So, Drive My Car, which is a Japanese movie, I haven't seen. Dune, seen it. Dude, oh yeah, well, okay. We're well, going back to Don't Look Up. I think I remember Don't Look Up. Although I gave it a four out of five, but Best Picture, yeah. I don't know about that. That 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 to me. Yeah. That's the kind of, I mean, that's the kind of nomination that has people yelling, "Ah, oh, liberal agenda!" <laughs> a bit of a populist choice, maybe, but yeah, I'm not. I'm well, surprised that they think it was one of the best films of the year. Yeah, but well, the thing is, like, um, how, how do I put it? I mean, the the or well, Hollywood is known for being liberal. Hollywood is known for for leaning more towards that thing, so. If there's anything that, like you know, people would, would put as a bleeding heart issue, or or something like that, Hollywood is usually behind that. So, but I liked Don't Look Up a lot, but I don't know about one of the best films of the year. I really about the ten best films of the year. I don't know. So Dune, you saw Dune, right? Yeah, I saw Dune. What do you think about that for one of the best films of the year? 
I wouldn't place it as one of the best films of the year. I certainly enjoyed it, but I wouldn't have put it up there with with Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, now this is the thing. I mean, okay, I know that this is one of the. I haven't really thought much about this, but obviously, the 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 obvious question is: Well, if you're saying these are not the best films of the year, what are the best films of the year? And I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't thought about it. So these might be the best films of the year, but if that's yeah. These might be the best ones of the year, but if these are the best ones of the year, I don't. That means we might not have had that good a year <laughs> of, of films. Because Dune, I liked Dune. I thought Dune were for its visuals and everything like that was great. But I still maintain that if you hadn't read the books, I really think you'd be lost, and I really think that you would be like, "What on earth is going on here?" So you are aware that there's more. There's more of the world you haven't seen. There's more uh, that you didn't know about. Even the bits that you do see, I mean, I feel like there's a lot that skimmed over. And I obviously, I feel that because I've read the book and I know that there's a heck of a lot that they didn't put in. But for someone who hasn't read the book or read the book recently, I I mean, I was spoken to quite a few people who said I couldn't follow it. I, I spoke I spoke to, the, there's two of my friends, uh, a couple, Lindsay and Holly, and they, Lindsay saw it with her dad, and they are both, they both read Dune and loved it, they were like, oh my god, it was great, and Holly was watching it going, didn't have a clue what was going on, <laughs> didn't have a clue what was going on, and so, I for- knew the David Lynch Dune film, and I think having that as a background, almost helped in some ways, because it filled in some of the gaps for me, yeah. um, you know, that's obviously not the ideal way of learning about a, a book, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen a previous film, but I think having had the previous film in my head as well, some some of it more made more sense, especially about the Ben Jesuit and all that sort of thing. I and I got who they were, whereas from this film, I probably wouldn't have known who they were or the fact that Lady Jessica was anything to do with them. Yeah, yeah, it's it. Her relationship was a, not quite clear. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it, it, I. Essentially, I don't know. I know Dune is getting a lot of plaudits and a lot of people are yelling about it. I mean, I would give it a lot of technical stuff. I mean, I would say for its visuals, for its effects, for its set design, for the realization of the world, yes. But as a film and as a story to get, I don't know about that. I, uh, yeah, but I, but uh, I'm going to carry on knowing that I'm sounding like a total grump here. King <laughs> Richard. King Richard. Now, this is a film that... that I didn't see that one. Yeah, this is a film that I liked. I really liked. And I think that this is a three-star film that's elevated to a four-star film based on Will Smith's performance. That is that that I think is the case. But it's a sports drama and it doesn't really do much different than any other sports drama. It yeah. kind of I mean I, I, I it avoids some of the pitfalls. It avoids some of the sort of like the sort of like, um, oh, inspirational speech, and then uh, there you go. Maybe because it's not like a team sport thing. Maybe because it's like you know, it's more, it's more of an individual thing. It's not, it's not focused entirely on the athletes, but on the coach. But, but yeah, I, I don't know about it being it, it being. I don't know about that. But anyway, uh, you'll be hearing me saying a lot of I don't know about that. Licorice Pizza. Yeah, I saw that one. You saw that one. You were quite taken with Licorice Quirky, Pizza. Fun. I enjoyed it. I don't know whether it would be best film category, but I certainly enjoyed it. All right. So would would do you feel happy with this sitting beside Belfast on a list? I would qualify that as a yes, considering the sort of the, the range of films we've seen this year. I would say it's probably up there with the best of them. Yes. And that's in a sort of a, a quite a thin 
<laughs> All right, cool. Okay, good. Nightmare Alley. No. <laughs> okay, we only re- we, we reviewed this last week. We both saw it. We both gave it three out of five. We both had the same problems with it, and this feels a uh, Nightmare Alley is a film that's a bit like a, is, is like a throwback in many ways, and yeah. the, it being on this list feels like a throwback like 40 years <laughs> it feels no, like the I kind of film it's, it feels like the kind of film that won best film 40 years ago or something like that but but yeah i i, I don't understand why it's on the list but that's on there uh, and now we get to a film that i've had every chance to see and i have still not seen it on netflix power of the dog Same which, here. yeah not which seen. is so we can't say anything about that because it, i mean it's Jane Campion. I expect it to be arty. I expect it to, and I, and part of the reason that I haven't watched it is because it's Jane Campion, and I expect to not get what she's aiming at. <laughs> I, expect... I love the piano, but that's going back a long time now. Yes, yes, she she's done another one since then, but I can't remember the name. And um, but yeah, but okay. When I eventually watch the Power of the Dog, I will feel. I will feel okay to speak when it eventually wins Best Actor or Best Picture Oscar. And finally, West Side Story. Yes, yeah, I like West Side Story. Mm. So its first version, though, did the first one get... And they've got loads of nominations. It, got, it did win Best Picture. Best Picture? It yeah. won Best Picture, yes. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, well, okay, now, West Side Story, I... Whew, I mean, not being somebody who isn't as conversant with West Side Story and haven't watched the original... I've seen scenes from it and all that. So uh, I was not as taken with West Side Story as you were. Like, I think the story of West Side Story just kind of really annoyed me. Tony and Maria just really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just Romeo and Juliet, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, but I've seen Romeo and Juliet, but these two annoyed me more than that. I don't know. I don't know whether it's because the language or because I'm being all snobbish and thinking, oh, but you know, Shakespeare. And, oh, yes, yeah. But, but, yeah, something about this just really... Something about them and the characterization just really annoyed me, and it just felt like a lot of the stuff... And I guess that's the whole thing about Shakespearean, Shakespearean tragedies, because I've always said that Shakespearean tragedies rely on one person being monumentally stupid <laughs> and and it destroys everybody else's lives and um maybe it's something about this that um maybe that just carries on with the shakespearean thing but i was watching west side story going especially because this one is a lot more realistic and it's a lot grittier than the other sort of technicolor one i'm i'm, I'm kind of going this could all be avoided. <laughs> this could all be so easily avoided. But uh, but uh, anyway, so that's the list for Best Picture nominees, and it does make me look at it and go, if those are... I mean, obviously, the challenge is for me to now go and see which films were better than those 10 that have been announced, and um, I will half-heartedly do that. But at the moment, I look at that going, oof, maybe it hasn't been a, a banner year for cinema. <laughs> I wouldn't have, yeah, I suppose it's not been, I'm just surprised that they are the best judged to be the best films of the year, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, I, I have to admit, uh, it's it's definitely the case. But anyway, we're going away from that, we're going to go away to something that we find a bit cheerier, which is people getting back in touch with us. And <laughs> I like, we yeah. like Yes, we like it. People getting back in touch with us to let us know. It always it's always good to know that there is at least one person listening. And this one person this week is my cousin Taiwo, who listens oh. who seems to listen to it regularly and then and then comment on what he what he says. 
and he's commented on our last uh, our episode last week in which I had my daughter Kemi with me all 16 months of her on my lap throughout the entire podcast and he says it's funny funny that funny that Kemi got the last word on the podcast because if you listen to it she does say the very last thing that you <laughs> that we hear on the podcast from last week it's like and he says maybe it's because we have my because he has a young daughter as well but Kemi became background noise very quickly and he also says that, also regarding the abuse and heckling, because I pointed out the fact that Sean gets fan mail, Sharon gets people who want to engage with her reviews, and I get abuse. That, that is, the, that's what we find online. That's what happens. It's, uh, he says, remember, remember that only in his hometown is a prophet without honor. So. <laughs> Biblical and true. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that means about where, where is my hometown and is anywhere my does that mean i get on or nowhere but but, but you, are the, you are our media king of um all things media so it's in this world that you you reign so oh well, oh. oh thank you thank you very much Sharon. right okay so let's 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 see if we can if we can stop me being grumpy about films and well, with them getting recognized for stuff that i don't think they deserve even though people have worked really really hard on them um Let's go to what we have seen this week. So in cinema, Sharon, you saw? I saw Moonfall. <laughs> I am so looking forward to this. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to this. All right, cool. So you saw Moonfall and I saw Sing 2. And the reason that this happened is if you haven't listened to us before, Sharon cannot abide an by animation. She cannot stand it. It is like torture asking Sharon to watch anything that is animated. On the other hand, for me, that is where I live. I love animated stuff. So when I looked at the list of things that were out this week, and I looked and I thought, so I think the only two new things in cinema are Sing 2 and um, Moonfall. So I, I shot you a message going, these are the only two things in my cinema. How about in your cinema? You're like, same. I was like, okay, I'll watch Sing 2. <laughs> no, Okay. <laughs> I was just kind of like, I'll watch Sing 2 and uh, you go watch Mood 4, which I don't know, mine might not be much better than. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, and at home, what did you see? I saw it's a film I didn't see this week, but it's one I haven't reviewed. It's called Falling for Figaro, which was on Netflix. Falling for Figaro, okay, on Netflix. And I, on Netflix as well, saw the big documentary that everybody is talking about at the moment The Tinder Swindler. Okay. Oh, you okay? Your face tells me that you haven't you haven't heard of that. Not heard, heard of that at all. Oh, it is all over. Like there's there's think pieces being written about this thing in the Times. <laughs> yes. So let's go. We always try and go with what we think the biggest release of the film of the week is first. And Sharon, for better or worse, that's you. You got the big release finally this week, which is Moonfall. Moonfall. Now, so take it away. Tell us about Moonfall. Well, there's an expression that you may not have heard before, but I can basically sum up this film with four words. Mm-hmm. Fur coat, no knickers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is my review. <laughs> and now, okay, so we move on to our next film. <laughs> so I would qualify that by saying the fur coat is they have thrown a lot of money on their special effects on this film. Yep. And the no knickers is, but there's no story. There's no characterization. There's no involvement. There's no... Anything that makes a film good is basically... <laughs> 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 oh, 
the fact that you don't care, you couldn't care less about any of the characters. The fact that the story did makes no sense. <laughs> the fact that, it's, <laughs> that the people do do stupid things. <laughs> and that, <laughs> so, yeah, it's but yeah, fur coat no knickers is my assessment of this film. Okay, so so this is directed by Ronald Emmerich. Yeah. Who who he is, is mo- twenty twelve. Well, then it's like he, he's most he's most fam- probably his best film and his most fam- well is Independence Day, yeah. and in- Independence Day I felt was kind of like this perfect, perfect um, marriage of stupid and spectacular. Yes, and I felt like I felt like there was there was some sort of alchemy, lightning in a bottle, magic that he caught in Independence Day, and I feel he has been chasing ever since. And yes, I've never been able to recapture. No, not at all. Yeah. So the basic story is for for what it is. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. the, the the title tells you Moonfall. The moon's gonna fall. <laughs> Something's wrong with the moon, and then this disillusioned ex NASA pilot and his former astro sorry, he's an astronaut um, with NASA, and his former sort of astronaut buddy, his work wife. Um, and this weirdo, sort of pseudo scientist guy, work out that there's something wrong with the moon, and they've got to go and sort it out. But the moon isn't what we think it is, and the moon, and something weird is happening with the moon, which is not. <laughs> okay, okay. If if you're watching this review, if you're watching this review on YouTube or Facebook, Sharon's face is priceless right now. <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this is even part of my life. I can- <laughs> <laughs> I was like that when I was watching it. I was just sort of thinking, you know, looking around, thinking, "Why am I here?" I, part of me, even at one point, I was started thinking about what shoes I'm going to wear when I go out the next day. I was thinking, I'm going out tomorrow. I'm going to be walking a while. What shoes should I wear? Because I want to wear the comfy ones. And I was like, "Oh, the film's still going. Okay, I better can watch on a bit more." <laughs> so, you can tell how I was, I was really into this film. Not. Okay. All right. Okay. So I think the 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 plot summary that you said is is, pro- is probably what you need to know. The moon's falling. Something's wrong with the moon. Someone's got to go punch it or something like that. I don't. <laughs> I, but um, so Roland Emmerich, we say that we know that there's certain things that you see. So you you mentioned 2012, the day after tomorrow. He just th- this is a man who destroys the Earth on a regular basis with ma- usually massive CGI waves of water. Oh yes, this is waves of water crashing all over, killing untold millions. Yeah. In the lake, and then you have like the main protagonist. Then you get to meet their family. Then they put the family in peril, and then they don't. Then someone will die. A token person will die. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. then we, we don't really care. And a, then a, token they person, out- a token person will make a sacrifice so that we can achieve whatever mission it is to stop the Earth yeah, being destroyed. Someone will be like, "Oh yes, I'm. You know, you know, you you carry on. You do this. I'm just going to stay here and die." And it's like, "All right then, see ya." <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the, uh, there's no emotional connection to any of the characters. I mean, they could all have blown up in the second scene. I'd be like, "Oh, see ya." <laughs> but, <laughs> so there was no emotional involvement in this film at all with any of the characters. Um, they would do like with 2012. It reminded me of that where they they sort of in a vehicle, they sort of out drove a, a volcanic eruption, a pyrocosmic surge. They managed to drive. This one is like there's a there's a gravity wave 
propelled by the fact that the moon is falling and they just have to open up drive it which is like well, that's convenient <laughs> let's all just hop in a car and just that, 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 that is one of his moves I, I think it was i think it was 2012 when they had a plane that outruns like you know an exploding airport or something like that yeah, just, just manages to stay ahead of it oh my god the flames have engulfed us and oh are we dead no the plane just burst through the flames <laughs> And this is that, at one point, I wasn't quite sure whether there was a helicopter, a scene in a helicopter, where there's waves, there's gravity waves, there's all sorts of things going on, and the helicopter's like, going, oh, we're just, oh, keep going. And then I don't even know what happened to the helicopter. Did it crash? or did, I couldn't work out what happened to it. It was just like, was that it? Are they all dead? And, yeah, so well, you just you just couldn't care less about yeah. any of the characters. And then yeah. you get introduced to some, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a really quirky character. He's really funny. You don't see them again. So, oh, okay, he just died, did he? Because you just got no idea what's going on. It was yeah. just a, a mess. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I did, I did, because I feel like there's been a law of diminishing returns with Roald Emmerich ever since Independence Day, where yeah. each film seems to get subsequently worse. <laughs> it, yeah. it it seems to get it seems to get like less. It's like it, you know, the, there's the, the, there's no fun in it. There's no fun in it. There, there's all the CGI destruction, but there is no, there's nothing to bore you along. And so I, I I've got to be honest. I really was not hopeful for this film no. because his his recent track record says oof, Independence Day was a bit of a one off. And even with the, the big reveal, because there is like a bit of a surprise. Like, oh, look, you didn't expect this, see this coming, did you? Even when there's a little bit of a reveal at the end, I was just like. Oh, well, oh, good, good. Can I go home now? Yeah. So, again, it wasn't enough to have that little zap of inspiration, really. I just felt it was, yeah, this element worked from this film, so you will use that element. This bit worked well in that film, we'll use that element. It just felt like it was, yeah, they spent all the money on the the fur coat, and then they just haven't got anything, you know, underneath. Yep. So, to me, it didn't 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 do anything other than kill so, two hours. How many stars would you attri- attribute to Moonfall? I will be generous with this one, and I will give it a two star. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, to me, I felt, it felt like an utter waste of time. Um, <laughs> so, but I but some of the effects are like quite impressive. It's like, oh, that is interesting. You know, completely unfeasible. I mean, if the, the if the moon was entering our atmosphere, which it does at one point in the film, I'm thinking I'm pretty sure that would probably be an extinction level event. I don't think there'd be anyone, you know, talking about that, you know, afterwards. Yeah. So the fact that it's all like, oh, you know, the the moon goes well. I'm, I'm, well, yeah. <laughs> well, if Roald Emmerich has a very very loose uh, understanding of science, like in Independence Day Resurgence, where there's this massive atlantic spanning spaceship that lands on the earth and that does absolutely nothing to change the gravitational pull or the or the orbit around the sun or anything like that uh so uh, the way i'll put it is it's kind of like the fast and furious films fast five is probably where they hit the right mix of everything and then and so if fast five is independence day this is fast nine which was a total load of nonsense <laughs> that's that's, that's what, <laughs> that that's what it seems that's what it seems like to me so two stars two stars for moonfall and, and i think that's probably been quite generous with it yep yeah, that, that 
Oh, okay, this is hard. This is me trying, trying very hard not to review a film I haven't seen. But I can totally believe it. I'll leave it at that. I can, t- I can totally believe that. <laughs> All right. And so now we move away from cinema and we go on to Netflix. And um, Netflix, so me, I saw the, the Swinder, the, the Tinder Swindon, Swindler. And this is essentially Netflix are hitting a groove with certain types of things. There's, I think I think the different streaming platforms are beginning to realize what it is that they do. I think Sky Cinema, if you want films, Sky Cinema is where you go for a streaming platform. If you want documentaries, Netflix is becoming the place. And they seem to have hit a formula where if they if you can if you can give me a pitch for something, give me a two-line pitch for something and if it, if it's an interesting two-line pitch, they have hit a formula of how to turn that into an arresting documentary. So, interesting two line pitch for this would be like, um, man meets uh, man meets women on Tinder, convinces them that he's rich, takes all their money, and that that's like the two line thing of this. And then they go into this, and you start off, and you meet these two women. So one of them is Swedish, one of them is Norwegian. And they're both talking about Tinder and about how it's great and how you go in there to, like, you know, find a love match. Or it's like there's everything on Tinder. Uh, you really need to explain to me because I've never been on Tinder and I never know which is the really saucy one, which is just like a dating app and which one uh, is like a, a friendship uh, thing. So I've never I been I've never been on Tinder either, but Tinder is the one that started up as a hookup app. So looking for people close to you who just wanted to have a sex, and that's it. I but, thought it was the, the, the saucy one, but I wasn't quite sure. T- Tinder so was you. Tinder was the saucy one, but Tinder seems to think, oh, there's money in actually, there's money in relationships. So Tinder has evolved. So there's a bit where they're talking about it at the beginning, where they're saying. Well, you can find anything you want on Tinder. If you want to find someone just to hook up with, you can find it. If you want to look for a relationship, you can find it. If you're looking for marriage, you can find it on Tinder. So Tinder has evolved to sort of match people in different ways. And so this, um, the first lady, Cecilia, is talking about how she saw this guy, this guy, Simon. She looked on his profile and all the pictures were the kind of things that she likes. He seems to travel. Seems to... So she meets up with him and she goes for a date. And at the end of the date, he's going, oh, I'm sorry, but for my business, I have to, I have to travel to somewhere in Europe, I can't remember, but like, let's say Barcelona, but someone like that, some, some, some exotic location um, on my private jet, do you want to come? And so she's like, okay, yeah. So she gets sent home in like, you know, in a, in a limo to pick up her stuff, to pack her bags. And she goes off for a weekend with this guy. And she's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Such a different life. And he, he keeps showering her with gifts and all that, but he's never really in town for that long. So she, she eventually they start, they start having a relationship and she's like, this is great. This is brilliant. This is going well. Then he says, but he, he explains that he's in the diamond trade. He's in the, that he's in the diamond trade, but because he's in the diamond trade, it's quite dangerous. And he he once when she's sleeping with him, she notices that he has scars on his back, and he says he got locked up in a prison in South Africa because of the diamond trade and all that. And so then he starts. He says, "Oh my God, I've got to go into hiding. My enemies are after me. Um, I can't use my credit cards. I need to get one in your name. I could you send me cash? I need this. Oh, we need more money. We need more. We need more money." And um, around about the time she hits a uh, hundred thousand dollars of debt, she starts thinking something's wrong. <laughs> and, away. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I mean, I mean, there's there's an element of this where you think, like you know, it, that way you think. Well, I think everybody has different reactions, but I think a very common reaction is, "What the heck? 
why the hell? And you think, I would never do that. Like, because I'm thinking, but anyway, it's well established that I am an Ijebu man from, like, you know, from the Yoruba tribe of Nigeria, I'm, the, I'm an Ijebu man, and we hold our money tightly. The second somebody shows up and says, oh, my life's in danger, I need 20,000 pounds. I'm like, well, nice knowing you. And that, that is the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the end of it for me. That's the end for me. For me. But, but I mean, you have. But I also come from a country that has popularized sort of online romance scams, four one nine scams, where nobody in Nigeria understands how anybody falls for these. But people regularly fall for these, and it's actually like a multi million pound industry. So there are people who, with because I'm not sure whether it's like a psychological thing or their makeup, that you know can be swindled in this way. And so, but, and the fact that, okay, so obviously the fact that the film's called The Tinder Swindler tells you that there's a swindle going on, that, they, that not, not everything's on the level. So she, she ends up in debt. She ends up in debt. This, um, but this guy's saying, no, 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 look, I'm going to pay you back. I've got this big deal's coming. I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you back. And at the same time as this is happening, this is where the Netflix storytelling formula comes in well. And they have these two women telling the stories. And then you find out that there is... There's something going on because there's another woman who doesn't end up in a relationship with him, but ends up, and that is the woman. Oh, good lord, this Pernilla, Pernilla. She's the she's the Swedish one, and the, and she doesn't have a relationship with him, but she ends up like you know as friends with him. And next thing you know, he's like, oh my god, I need help, I need help, I need help. And little by little, the the first woman goes to a to a newspaper in Norway, and they start. Then it becomes this it becomes this sort of detective investigative. Um, sh- story that they're telling you as to how they linked the things back to figure out who this man is, what's going on, how long it has been going on for, and who else has, who else is in trouble with him. And this this documentary, I mean, it is really really well told. It is a fantastical story that is true. And as I said, everything from the Times to like you know the Independent have written stories about the Tinder swindler. They, I, I keep getting a, a news alerts on my phone talking talking about how the guy has because the guy is an Israeli guy who is he's in Israel and how he has been banned from using any dating app in the world now. <laughs> no. and, and I just think it's a very very well told story. It's a very well told story that will make you put your head in your hand and go really. How did you not think something was going on then? How did you not think something was going on then? At that point, shouldn't there have been alarm bells ringing? And the women in the in the film admit that themselves. They readily admit that there should have been alarm bells ringing. For some reason, they weren't. And uh, and I just thought I I really enjoyed it. I'll give it a four out of five. I would I would recommend watching it. But I do think that when it comes to documentaries, Netflix aren't currently nailing it. They are absolutely nailing it. I think there are a few things that get me as excited as watches for watches of it as a Netflix documentary coming up before it. I'm like, oh yeah, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And it's it's kind of one of those things where you know that there's a formula, but yeah, enjoying the story too much to bother to figure out what the formula is. <laughs> if I sat down, I probably could, but it will probably kill the fun. Um, all right, so four stars for the Tinder Swindler, Sharon. I would say give that a watch this weekend and. Let me put it this way. It made me thankful that I never had to go on Tinder. <laughs> it's like, it makes me go and go, Claudia, my wife, I love you. Thank you so much. You yeah, saved I'm me. You saved me from <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> You saved me from ever having to go on Tinder because this is this is weird, crazy nonsense. All right. And now we get on to go back to cinema and we're going to talk about Sing 2. 
Now, this is a sequel to Sing One, duh. That, um, and when the original Sing was released, it looked like, I remember the, seeing the trailers and thinking that this seems like someone has just made an animated Britain's Got Talent or an animated, um, Amer- an animated, like, you know, American Idol or Pop Idol. And there is, and there was an element of that. So in the original film, it was a story about this koala, Buster Moon, who lived in this city that was populated entirely by animals, who dreams, and he dreams of putting on a show. Dreams of putting on a show in this rundown theater that he has, that brings everybody in together, that gets the theater going, and like, you know, it's, it makes it a success. And that's his whole big thing. And he does, he, think, he dreams of it by doing, putting on a, a music show. And you have this sort of disparate groups of people, and there's a little bit of the pop pop idol thing that comes in, where you have um, where they give you the backstory about oh, this one is from a family of crooks, but really wants to sing. This person is really really shy and doesn't really talk, but when they sing, they have a wonderful voice. And this person is like you know a mom who's put upon with so many children that are all over her all the time. She just wants one thing that's going to be for herself. And you have all those sort of like typical stories. But in Sing, the heart that came through, I mean, the there is a bit where Tori Kelly, who plays Mina the Elephant, in the first Sing, and she performs the song, Don't You Worry About a Thing, the Stevie Wonder song, Don't You, and that will stay with me for a long time. I've seen this film years ago, and that sequence where she sings Don't You Worry About a Thing still sticks in my mind, and I just think, like, this is amazing. And Sing 2 does exactly the same thing because I'm going to give you my star rating. It's a three-star film. (laughs) It's a three-star. Both films are three-star films. But they are kind of like... I think I came out and I put on Twitter immediately after watching this. I was like, Sing, the Sing franchise is a three-star franchise that I would happily watch a lot more of. I would happily watch a lot more of the the plots are predictable they go from a to b plucky underdogs are fighting against this thing will they make it in the end will they be successful i don't know maybe of course they will be successful you know all that you know all that oh this character's going oh this character's never had a boyfriend before what's going to happen they're going to get a boyfriend this character is going to start off with stage frights guess what they're going to overcome the stage frights this character and you the, so the storyline is it, you know exactly what's going to happen but the thing that gets Sing and the thing that the Sing series has get, gets right so far is the musical numbers and the way they use music and they use a lot of pop music. And in this one, the whole story is about how he's... So obviously he's successful at the, at the end of the first film. The second film kicks off with the success and you get to see the success of the first film. The theater's a success, but he is a dreamer and it's just part of his nature that he's always thinking bigger and bigger. And he's thinking, oh, there's going to be a talent scout that's going to come check us out. And when, if we impress this talent scout, we can go to the big city, which is essentially Las Vegas. <laughs> Everything about the city is Las Vegas. And we can put a show on in the Las Vegas of their world. And that's his whole, it's his push is just to get there, just to get there, just to get there. And uh, when they, the only way they can get there is to lie and say that they have um, access to someone called Clay Calloway, who is a lion, who used to be a rock star, who is voiced by Bono from U2. Okay. <laughs> yeah, who's voiced by Bono from U2, but no one's seen him for 15 years uh, since his wife died. So this guy is voiced by Bono. All of his songs are, are U2 songs. <laughs> and, but it's, it, it's the way they use the music in these films that, that get the whole thing together. It's the way the, the musical numbers, the way they put all the different pops things in. There were bits where I was tapping my foot along. I was just singing along in the cinema. I was like, I like the way they've done that. I love the rendition. There's a bit where Johnny the Chimpanzee, played by Taron Egerton, does a rendition of Coldplay's A Sky Full of Stars. And the way it's staged in the 
I think maybe because it's animated, it means that they can stage things that, you know, wouldn't be possible in real life. Or if you saw them in real life, you'd be like, wow. And they can do them easier because it's animated and they, there's no limit to it. There's a scene in the first one where they have this bioluminescent sort of squid and they do this thing on the stage that, once again, stays with me and makes me go, wow, that is amazing. Even though I know it's animated and I know that it's not, I'm still, that is amazing. <laughs> and they do something similar here with like singing about Coldplay, singing a whole bunch of U2 songs, singing. And I just think that they nailed their musical aspect. And you, I left the cinema just feeling such like, you know, a joy of life, if you will. I hope that that is not too up myself to say that. But just fe- just feeling happy and going, yeah, you know what? That was totally cheesy and totally predictable. But man, they nailed those musical numbers. <laughs> and, and that's what I walked away with. So I love the Sing franchise. I, I'm sitting there going, this is a three-star all the way. But it is the very best kind of three-star movie. Where it is, it's, it, yeah, it's it's great. Loved it. Oh, yes, so of and I will stop talking there because if not, I'll just sort of start singing. Still haven't found what I'm looking for, but, <laughs> but so let's go back to and now we go back to Netflix for Netflix. the thing that you saw. Yeah, I saw I saw this a couple of weeks ago, but it's called a film called Falling for Figaro, which is on Netflix. Yes, uh, because I'm using my phone to to record this today. I can't look up the names of the actors, which I had. I was normally going to go, yeah, it's got this, 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 this. Okay, I've got you, Sharon. I've got you, Sharon. Just keep talking. Yeah, so it basically is an American who's been living in London, working for a successful financial company, uh, played by a lady who was in The Tourist that you reviewed quite recently and was in... Danielle MacDonald! That's it. And she was very charmingly played Dumpling, didn't she? Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, she's a, a nice. Um, yeah, she, I just really rate her sort of film she's in. I like the way she does things. You know, yes. she's even though she's like a successfully financially successful um, financier in her career, uh, her passion has been opera ever since she was a young child. Yes. and she was that she's financially secure enough that she can actually take chances. And instead of sort of going for that next promotion and like, seeking ever more money, she just wants to have that sort of emotional. Um, sense that she's doing the right thing or she's doing the, the being her, her best self. Yes. So she's in a loving relationship with his, her permanent boyfriend who was played by the guy who was in a Star Trek Discovery. Oh, Shazad Latif. He's been very... He, he was in, he's been in quite lots of things. So again, he's really sort of quite charmingly played. You think he could be... They haven't fallen down the, the, the whole slippery slope of regular boyfriend, he's bound to be asleep. He's or, or, yeah. or regular regular boyfriend therefore life is boring yeah so he obviously he loves her they're in a good relationship but you know it's not ideal because you know he's but he's trying to support her in her choices even though he doesn't understand them but yeah. a lot of her choices is that she seeks this music teacher who can take her from being just a, a gifted amateur to someone who can actually start to sing professionally yeah. so the person she seeks out is played by Joanna Lumley who is like this classics teacher and so she goes up there basically to audition for her on the off chance that she will say okay I'll work with you on your voice yeah so she goes up to meet her and then while she's there she had she has another student who's learning the craft of opera singing played by the chap from Mamma Mia 2 Hugh Skinner 
Hugh Skinner. Uh, again, charmingly played. He often plays sort of like a hatless, um, slightly dippy character. Yeah. And he does that in this one as well. But there, there, there you can see that he uh, has... Uh, well, a bit kind of like a, a little bit Hugh Grant 30 years ago. Yes. And he did play the young Hugh Grant in Mamma Mia, didn't he? <laughs> oh, no. Hugh Grant isn't in Mamma Mia, is he? Not Hugh Grant. Thinking... Um, Colin Firth. Colin Firth. He played oh, yeah, the yeah. young Colin Firth. Yeah. In Mamma Mia. Uh, so yeah, so these three characters converge. You've got yeah, sort of the the, the these the boy and a girl basically both wanting to sing sing opera yep. to a standard, and they both get entered into this sort of basically local opera competition. Uh, I didn't know there was such a thing. Hang on, this this is sing all over again. Yeah, <laughs> and so they then you see them basically training and learning how to sing the best they can be, and then with all their insecurities, sort of, you know, learning to sing um, opera in a new way and hopefully then sort of sparking enough interest that they will win this competition and then that will pave the way to become professional singers. So as you have, it, have you have a young man and a young woman in an isolated setting with the same goal, with the same aim in mind, you inevitably have sort of romance or tensions between, you know, Hey, this you guy is really good, but hey, my old guy is good as well. What do I do? Yeah. So there's a whole there's a whole element of that, but it was the film was played charmingly by all parts because easier in these films to be like, hey, that's cheating if you start flirting or start doing too much with this, the new guy when you've yeah. got your old guy. It's like, hey, that's not fun or that's not really very good. So it's I think like they, Team Jeff, Team Simon. Yeah. <laughs> so they did sort of steer the way through those stormy waters, I think, quite discreetly. So you're thinking, yeah, actually, that's a better way of dealing with these things if you're going to have sort of that, that attraction between someone. But if someone's with someone else, it's like, no, that's not good. So <laughs> they toyed with this whole idea of like infidelity cheating. I was like, no, no, don't go down that line, please. And I'll yeah, it, I have to admit, it, it is it is one of my bugbears. It is one of my bugbears with storytelling nowadays. It's like I'm like, it's just like the old boyfriend is disposable. It's like, hey, yeah, it's like it. doesn't 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 marriage and fidelity mean anything to you people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's, so there is that there's suggestion of that in there, but obviously, <clears> don't, <throat> don't, 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 don't fall into all those traps. But I think a lot largely they do. And the music, even though I'm not an opera fan, I have I do listen to all sorts of stuff, but. I thought the, the music, they did the music very well. Um, they did the characters were likable, and yeah, it worked really well. So I was quite pleased with it. For a, I think we put it down in our sort of Sunday afternoon type films. You can sit yes. up, put your feet up, watch it, eat a biscuit while you're watching it. Yes. And enjoy it. So yeah, I'd give it a three. Again, it's you see, it's like Sing in the regard that it's a good three. There's nothing wrong with it being a three, but it was never going to be anything more than than, yeah. than a three. Yeah, and so yeah, as a as an entertaining film, it worked. So I enjoyed it. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. So three out of five for Falling for Figaro. Although I have to admit, Daniel McDonald is becoming one of those people who is like, is she in something? Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, she's <laughs> she... very watchable. And she was in. I can't remember the name of the film. Do you remember? There was a film about a, a girl who had been raped, and no one believed her. Unbelievable. And... Unbelievable. Yeah, the the TV series. Yeah. Yeah, and it was on Netflix. I saw that, and she was in that as one of this, this rapist's later victims. And yeah. again, played the, the, this rape victim really, really well, very convincingly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. So, yo, although I, <laughs> I believe I believe they're called uh, survivors nowadays. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I've, I still I, I, into the whole police trap where we like get you know a grieved offender. So my in my head, yeah. I to think fit in those terms. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It, it is, to be honest with you, I mean, language is changing so quickly nowadays that I'm just kind of like, I'm, you know what, I'm going to say something and somebody correct me if it's wrong and then try and explain to me why I'm wrong. <laughs> like, because things are changing so much, I'm like, what? What say what now? R- really? Stop making me look old. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, that is that is it, what we have for our reviews this week. Uh, so, quite frankly, I think Cinema lost because Cinema gave us Moonfall. So, yeah. <laughs> I think Cinema gave us Moonfall, and even all the fails and all the and all the goodwill of Sing Two could not pull Cinema back. <laughs> so until next week, I mean, I don't know what is on. This is this is going to be one of those things where I think they are beginning to increase the hit rate or the release rate of films ever since Christmas and fears about Omicron. Well, a fears of Omicron. B um, Spider Man Home, uh, Spider Man No Way Home, but they they're beginning to we're going to see more films coming out uh, quicker. But let's see, let me see what is actually around that I can Jackass. Okay, there was Jackass Forever, which I was not going to watch, and I was no. pretty sure that you're not going to watch that. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's a it, <laughs> uh, because I feel like Jackass. What's the point of reviewing it? I mean, I'm like, look, if you like Jackass, go watch it. If you don't like Jackass, you're not going to like it. You're so. never going to watch it. If you want to yeah. see some grown man being punched in the testicles, you know, fill yeah, your it, it, that, yeah, that's it. It's like, do you think <laughs> grown man being punched in the testicles is good? Cool. Then go with Jackass. Yeah. <laughs> that's my if review. You know, you're probably not going to want to watch it then. Ooh, <laughs> Uncharted. Uncharted's out for this weekend. Death on the Nile's out this weekend. Okay, some possibilities there then. Ooh, Marry Me is out this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and there's a film out here called Love, Sex, and Pandemic. Okay. Oh, okay. Based on what I just said earlier, I don't think I might like this film. We follow <laughs> the lives of three women and a young man who are sexually liberated and treat monogamy lightly. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this no for me then. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, I think it might be a, re- a limited release anyway. Okay, so I think Uncharted and Death on the Nile might be the two. And maybe Marry Me, because this sounds, Marry Me sounds mental. It sounds mental. And it's it, probably, it's St. Valentine's this week, so they're probably thinking, let's do something romantic. Well, well, well okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what the plot of this film is. You have Jennifer Lopez, who plays a superstar singer, a bit like Jennifer Lopez, and she is going out with another superstar singer, and they decide that they're going, they're, they're going to get married but they're going to get married at a concert that they're all going to do the whole thing. Right before she goes on stage, she realizes that this guy is cheating on her. And so she's like, well, I'm not going to go through with this marriage. So with this uh, marriage. And so you have Owen Wilson, who is a guy who has been dragged along to, he's a single dad who has been dragged along to this concert by his daughter and his best friend played by Sarah Silverman. And because marry me is the name of this big song. She, his daughter's given him a sign saying, marry me. And Jennifer Lopez stands on the stage where she's promised everyone she's going to get married, sees the sign of this guy saying, marry me, and goes, yes, I'll marry you. And then he gets bundled onto stage and he goes, uh, uh, okay, and then they get married. <laughs> Is that legal? <laughs> to have a license with your name on it beforehand? Uh, I think they had a they had a, a legal well I don't know the film's gonna the film's gonna gloss that over and then they spend okay. the rest they spend the rest of the film 
trying to learn how to be married for what I can, for what I can tell. Okay. And you, you kind of go, okay, so it's kind of a rom-com in reverse, but <laughs> it's, uh, I'll give it, I'll give it some marks for trying to do something a little bit different in the rom-com space. But yeah, yeah and everybody looks like they're trying really hard. And as we know, there is no greater recommendation for a film than that. <laughs> Everybody tried really hard. All right, cool. Uh, we'll, we will. We we until next week when we will watch some combination of those we'll films. Watch yeah. We watch a combination of those films. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye for me. And unfortunately, we have no Kemi here to give the have the final word. But if she was here, it would be a goodbye from her too. Mm-hmm.